Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And today we're talking about minute number 82 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And this minute is going to start out with uh, Silas Stone um, still crying over uh, the thought of uh, losing Victor in the hospital bed. But then it quickly shifts into the... uh, kind of reels us back into the night that Victor was staring at the window. Um, that's kind of the start of the minute. It's, the minute's going to end with Victor uh, looking back at the tape recorder that his father had just put down on the table. Yeah. I kind of like, that's like the entire minute. It's like it's the entire like, minute, yeah. <laughs> it almost sounds like you're giving away the whole thing, but that's really just what happens in this minute. And there's not really going on there's not a lot going on within the minute obviously because it either plays into something later or at least with the dialogue between silas and victor the way it's written by chris terrio it has a a deeper conversation that's happening between the two and you only really understand it if you understand the history of the two characters which is why it's so important You know, we think about how this scene is so similar. This minute is so pretty much the same thing that we saw in the original theatrical version, the 2017. And this is like where we're coming into it. If you're watching that version of the movie, the first time you see Silas and Victor, you're only maybe what, like 10 minutes into the movie and you're introduced with this kind of this already established relationship of Victor and Silas that you haven't seen. You know, we've seen the Dawn of Justice, like that little video clip of him creating Cyborg. And the movie assumes that you understand all of that. A to B. Um, I feel like, I think I said it the last time when we first saw this uh, window scene, right? We saw this before. The monster part. We got this before. The only time that I, or I think I brought it up in that minute, is that in 2017 version, I felt like the only thing that I was able to pull from that was the time on the stove as Silas was coming home. And in that version, you got Janitor saying, early night for you. And it's like 1130 as he's like getting home or whatever. And, uh... Or 11 p.m., early night for you, something like that. And it's 11.30. Just the whole deal was that it took him 30 minutes to get from Star Labs to his home. That was the only thing I remember Mm -hmm. out of this in 2017. Yeah. This is completely different. That's like, I don't even see a digital clock anywhere in here. So, like, that's not even a a thing And it's not even the same night. It's not even the same night. It's not even, like, that's it. Like, don't even worry about that. Now, you just describing it being like, what was it? 10 or something like that really early on in the movie in the 2017 mm-hmm. version we did see the the silas stone and victor stuff um or mainly just the silas stone stuff and i'm starting to think now was that because it's just like in gotham and they were just like hell like we're already here 
Because they did the whole Batman shtick on the rooftop and stuff in the beginning there. And then it's like, since we're already in Gotham, you might as well just, like, pan down to, like, people in the apartment, right? That makes sense to me. I think... But, like, it completely chops it up. Like, it's just, like, now there's a, there's a big red flag of just, like, why the hell was that even thrown in the movie at that point? And if the reasoning was, well, because they were in Gotham. That's horrid. The, the trick that the Justice League theatrical cut did multiple times over is it condensed a lot of these scenes into one streamlined scene. Yeah. And what happens here with the Victor storyline is that they want to explain the janitor for some reason. They want, they mm-hmm. want to keep that part in for the two hour movie. They want to explain the janitor seeing a parademon in star labs and Silas stone passing it off to him as far as point of view. And establishing who Silas Stone is as he works for Star Labs and that he's not just some father uh, in the movie. He's, he has a connection to the MacGuffin of the story, the chalice of the journey. So they introduce Silas Stone. He passes it off to the janitor. Janitor sees the mother box and the parademon, and that kind of connects the story. Then, Silas, then we kind of ask, okay, well, where is Silas Stone going? Well, he's going home to his son. Turns out his son is a cyborg. How is he a cyborg? We don't really know why. We'll we'll get a one minute, not even a one minute, just like a a couple seconds of a clip of, you know, him turning Victor into cyborg with the mother box, and then we go piece it from there. Then the movie takes that same scene, and it's a reshoot, and it has Victor kind of just showing his... uh, disdain for his father and how much he does not appreciate what he's done to him which has led to a lot of confusion like i said i i watched this with someone who had no who had only seen the the theatrical version in theaters once Mm -hmm. and had no idea what victor stone's situation was why he hated his father so much uh why he you know, why was he the way he was? And to see this coming into this minute right here with all the context that we have now about, especially seeing a night previously where they had a conversation, um, Silas and Victor and showing how much Silas disapproves of his father. And then we get into the backstory, what's happened to Eleanor, what's happened at the football game, who Victor was as a person. Now we come into this scene and we, you can't avoid not knowing. There is no... You can't... You've seen the movie. You understand it. You could be someone who doesn't read the comic books and now you understand it. And I think that's the problem with the 2017 version is that it just assumed that the audience would know exactly who Victor Stone is and who Cyborg is. To Not Victor Stone, but just know who Cyborg is. Um, Do you, th- you don't think it was a matter of just like not caring thinking that the audience wouldn't yeah the audience wouldn't care but that's the problem i mean that's that's the <laughs> slightly that's one of the main arguments that was being had the past year with you know a <laughs> a, a bigger societal problem behind it yeah it's uh i think 
the movie here that we that we're watching, Zack Snyder's Justice League, is a cyborg origin film. It's it's cyborg's origin baked into this Justice League story because the idea is making his origin kind of like an analogy for the Justice League itself. Like it, like his origin combines all of their worlds together. Just like a lot of people say that Dawn of Justice is like the linchpin to the shared cinematic universe that we have here. Cyborg is that to this movie. You, you know, obviously, everyone says he's the heart of the film, but that's because he's written that way. That's because Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder took what happens in the New 52 of Justice League and really solidified that Cyborg is the focus of here. And and when you cut that focus out, then the movie is in shambles. And then you're trying to piece it together in a way where you're saying, we don't care about Cyborg. Because if we did, we would have at least edited a two-hour version of the movie that was based around him. Um, and that's that's where it suffers so much. Um, the audience doesn't care about Cyborg if the story does not permit that. And, and that, that version of the movie doesn't allow that at all. You can't, you can't care about Cyborg in that movie yeah. unless you already know about the character. Like, you know, someone like me who, who's going into the movie looking for Cyborg, which is what I was doing. That's the, that's the biggest downfall of that. This scene yeah, and then is, I was also I was I was thinking more about like people that just have, like you said, complete, just no knowledge of the character, really at all, or even how the dynamic of that character should be, or just like what the perceived origin is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, like that, it's kind of it falls one hundred percent flat in two thousand seventeen, but. I think this version, I you know, I heard it all the time. People saying like it, you know, it's night and day between this one and and, and the other one. And a a big part was the whole cyborg thing, but it really didn't because like I was cheering for that already. I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. Finally, you get to see it. But like now, me thinking about it, about people that you know are just oblivious to the whole character model or, or or what he is as it relates to. DC Comics or even just the Justice League in general um seeing the fully fleshed out storyline and just like seeing the more rounded character instead of it just like very horridly copy pasted and just like placed in in random or I don't know yeah seems random but maybe systematic to you uh parts of the movie now I feel like it's just like Obviously, this is how we're supposed. This is how we were supposed to see Cyborg, um, but it does make that heart of the film hit a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, just because people are probably unaware. It really, it really downplays not only his tragedy, but it also quickly escalates into him feeling happy. And beca- or feeling like he can be a hero in all sense of the word. Um, and to live his life. Especially that's what that's what's said here. And 
now that we've gone through the tragedy, the way that this movie ends with Silas Stone and how he's the one through death and kind of rebirth, and especially with the tape here that we're introduced to at the end of this minute, it's Silas Stone who helps guide Victor into being at least a happier person or at least a more whole person because he's not he's not really there after the battle at Pajornov, you know? And in the Justice League 2017 version, he feels whole once Superman shows up and saves the day, basically. And it's a quick escalation into like, oh yeah, I'm having a great time now. And then he goes back and he's all, he's all cool with his dad who's still alive and stuff like that. And it really belittles the tragedy and relationship he has with his father. This movie does it so much better because it continues that after Pajornov with the, the epilogue scene of Father Twice Over. So it, it's, it really just doesn't work at all for the character. And it, the movie itself tells you, like, yeah, don't really worry about it. He's happy now. We're good. It's like, but why? <laughs> well, don't worry about it. They're just ha- they're happy now. You saw Superman come back though. Yeah, right? Superman's I mean, he back. There. He's smiling. Look at yeah. it. We put the we put the smile right on him. Visual effects, baby. Um, so it's it's incredible. But it, one of the great things uh, that Chris Terrio does here is is the small bit of small bit of writing where. Silas Stone is telling Victor, like, you know, your mom w- would want to, would have wanted you to go and live that life. You know, you're still alive now. The best thing you can do is, is as Martha Kent says, return to the living. Like, go live your life. But Victor's reply to that is, if you were there, she would still be alive. And so... In that little bit of writing that Chris Terrio does, it's it, it's a much deeper conversation where Victor is saying, like, you're telling me to go live life, but you're the re- reason someone has no life. Like, you've taken life away. I blame you for that. Whether or not that's true, it's how Victor feels about it. And so how can a person who's taken a life say, go live life? Like, it's yeah. extremely just flat out wrong for a person to to recommend that to someone you know it's it's a really good back and forth between victor and silas um and he's like he's he's on point with these these snapbacks though i mean like or clapbacks what are they called clapbacks <laughs> it's a clapback right. um because i mean he did the whole part in the beginning with the you know Look who's look. Hey, you know a thing or a thing or two about a thing or two about those monsters, huh? Yeah, especially how to make them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, really and, like, good dialogue, and, and he's just serving it up right here too. It's just like so. That's like two, two clapbacks we're counting right now. Damn, Vic. <laughs> yeah, you're the scientist, right, Silas? How, Damn, how are you with Vic. these numbers? I know, Keep right? Counting. <laughs> um. The only Damn. other um, note that I had for this one, this one's a more deeper cut because I struggled really hard with trying to locate this original artwork. We've done this plenty of times before. 
And we did this with the La Frederique poster in Dawn of Justice where Superman is cooking those fake eggs, quote unquote fake eggs, as he listens to Kahina Ziri on the news asking or being asked about the Superman incident. And we see that La Frederic poster, which means a peaceful ruler or something like that. And in this one, you see Victor Stone standing in front of that window. And to his right, you see this poster with the silhouette of a man wearing kind of like a hat and what looks to be an insect silhouette on top of that, masked, clip masked over it. And then it says metamorphosis. Um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the metamorphosis, the, the novel by, I believe it's Franz Kafka. And I can't even, I can't even see the, the detail in this, in this picture, to be honest with you. I remember we pointed it out a lot, like when we, when we were first in this room many minutes ago. Um, but I don't think we, or maybe there was just like the Vitruvian man or something as a painting or as a picture that's like, did framed. we talk about this before? We talked about the one of them, but I don't think this one was here. I don't think Metamorphosis was shown. I think it was just the man one. Did I, I think, pronounce that? The, oh, the, I think we did talk about another the, photograph. Yeah, the one that's under it. Isn't that... Oh. I don't want to mispronounce it. It's the Vitruvian man, is that right? Or I think is it, it yeah, like, yeah, from Da Vinci, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Da Vinci. <laughs> da Vinci. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, but no... Uh, the the sil the the portrait on the wall you you can see the silhouette of it right, um, slightly okay maybe it's maybe it's my monitor is just too dark or something like that but uh, we'll have to I'll I'll screen cap it for you I'm taking your word for it yeah absolutely um if you take a closer look to at it and if any listeners want to take a closer look at this photograph you'll see a silhouette of a man but there's also like a shadow over the man it's kind of like a negative space if you will in art terms there is a brown silhouette of a man and then through all the black negative space there is the silhouette of what looks like a roach up over that man and then there's the words metamorphosis and it's all broken up where because there's two m's in metamorphosis there's meta and then there's more and then this fasis at the end of it, where the, the word comes comes back together again. And this is uh, uh, an art piece for the Franz Kafka novel, Metamorphosis, or The Metamorphosis, to be more accurate. And I tried looking for this artwork. I tried to look for who created it, why did Zach... I know why Zach included it. I will get to that in a minute. But if you look up The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka, you'll see plenty of other artworks and I sent them to you Nate just so you can get a reference of what I'm talking about. I can see the um I can see the the roach silhouette now. It's like yeah, the the crouched over one. Was this is I don't know why this is bringing this up, but maybe it was used in it, but it's um Courage the Cowardly Dog. Did they ever do a thing about they had to have. It's so many people, yeah. Reminiscent of or maybe I'm just thinking there was a giant roach episode in Courage or something. There's been there's been plenty. I there's even there's even one in uh Godzilla versus Gigan where the alien species are roach creatures, roach mm -hmm. aliens, roaches basically in human bodies and 
through all silhouettes and shadows. They use like roaches and stuff like that. It's really disgusting. Um, but yeah, this, you know, why is, why is this metamorphosis here? Um, and obviously it's, it's a direct allegory to that. Uh, we've talked about changes. (laughs) We've talked about Frankenstein and his monster, but metamorphosis seems to be another influence to the story of cyborg. Um, and for people who are not, you know, familiar with the story of the metamorphosis, it's, revolves around a character his name is greg or gregor samsa if you will and uh obviously he just wakes up one day and realizes he's an insect a vermin a roach if you will in his room and so his family has to come together and start working getting jobs so they can take care of him and the whole kind of commentary about this story is that now he's isolated from society. He starts to go a little bit crazy um, about how to deal with that. And it's all about people misunderstanding his feelings now and him misunderstanding how people view him. And it becomes a story similar to Victor Stone Cyborg, who has to be like, I'm a monster now. What does that mean for my life? My life is over. Like, I can't do anything anymore. I might as well be dead. Um there's another movie that came out recently. I don't know if you've seen this one, uh, Nate, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a comedy, dark comedy, if you will. It's called hmm. Tusk. I don't know if you've seen or heard of this movie from 2014. It stars Justin Long, um, and it's about a it's a horse. Oh. Yeah, wait, and and wasn't. Oh, no, I was thinking of the other one, Horns. That's the Daniel Radcliffe one. Yeah, no, this one is no. Tusk. It's written and directed by Kevin Smith. Um, oh, nice. And it's 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 very kind of sad, but it's almost similar in the sense that, um, you know, you have this... Oh, he turns into a walrus man. He gets turned into one by someone who's kind of befriended him, and he tells him this story about how he once accidentally killed a walrus, and... He's always felt plagued by it, right? So then at some point he turns Justin Long through like very graphic science. He turns him into a walrus using like human bodies and human flesh and bone and fur. And like he basically turns Justin Long into a walrus and reconditions him into thinking he's a walrus and keeps him in a swimming pool and all these things. It's very graphic. Um, But then at the end, like, I think his Justin Long's like girlfriend like visits him one last time and he has to live his life as a walrus in some zoo and like he just has to come to terms with that that he'll never be human again uh and then like his girlfriend leaves him and she's crying because you know that part of Wallace doesn't exist anymore it's Justin Long's character um it's a very upsetting and disappointing gross graphic uh black comedy you know, like it's kind of a horror film, but it's supposed to, there's some humor in it. I don't get it, but um, it just reminded me of that movie. It's one of those awful things to think about. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know about that one. It's upsetting. But Metamorphosis is the same kind of thing where it's the story of this guy who just, I'm a roach now. I'm a roach and yeah, I'm and bedridden. Yeah, and I guess like that's like, if that, is that like the, 
Is Kevin Smith walking around, like, going, like, I'm going to do a Kafka story. Check it out. It's Walrus Man. Really? Uh, like, and then, like, the argument, I guess, and then, yeah, but because the argument is, like, okay, Kafka did one, but then he was a cockroach, you know? Some guy did it, and it was a human centipede or something. I think that's a little different. I don't know. It's going down a rabbit hole. People are just making just up like, different animals. Yeah, just like Chimera. What's the what's the act of Chimera? <laughs> what's the act of turning someone into uh, a creature and them having yeah. to deal with it? Yeah. I don't know. That probably deserves uh, an actual definition. But Chimera It's not mechanics. far off. It's, I mean, the idea of turning someone against their will into something that's forever going to ruin their life where they're stuck like that and they have to deal with that horror hey that sounds like someone we know <laughs> old niles calder yeah exactly that's again we if you guys you know loved listening to this mark and i get to talk about how silas and niles were two of the same coin same side of the two different co- one two sides of the same coin there you go uh, in our Doom Patrol radio podcast, it was a uh, there, we've had multiple conversations about that because Silas does show up in that show uh, every once in a while. But um, yeah, that's all. That was it. That was just a little self plug. Yeah, no, it's it's a good it's a good one to to kind of wrap up on here. I don't know who created this art piece, this exact one that's in this movie. I hmm. kind of want to ask Zack Snyder like where he got that. Uh, unless it was something Chris Terrio wanted in there, but I've looked up many different artworks for the Metamorphosis, Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka. Um, the black and white illustrations that were in the book, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen that one before if they look up the illustrations. Um, seeing the roach stuck in the bed, that's like one of the most iconic illustrations for that story. I think it's even used as a meme around the internet, but it works perfectly here for Victor Stone to kind of be an allegory to how he feels. We they do this a lot with, you know, Christ-like imagery, especially when Superman was in the church in Man of Steel or Clark Kent rather, um, and you see it a lot in Dawn of Justice to invoke angels and devils and all that. And here we see metamorphoses. Um, it would be cool to see. If there's some Frankenstein uh, allegories as well around here, we've talked about that on our podcast, but this is the first time we're seeing something that is like, no, this is the creators are actually like, this is the allegory we're trying to make here. This is the Excalibur now, or yeah, now playing Excalibur. Exactly. In the last movie. And how it relates. So this Mm -hmm. one is a really cool thing. I really wanted to make sure we got to talk about this one and not let this one go. Um. Because I think it's important. I think it's very important to understand the character and to understand what influences the writers themselves. And when writers, I mean Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio. Um, and I mean, especially like right now, like, was that, is that just right now for Victor? I think it's like good that he's staring at the window with that picture right there. Cause it's like in this moment, he represents the metamorphosis. Yeah. When he's talking to Diana on the street in a couple of days or whatever, maybe not. Yeah, I. Um, you know, he's he's obviously breaking out and doing doing things. I want to know but, if if Ray Fisher 
you know, read into that, read into the metamorphosis and was like, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of Gregor Samsa as I'm playing this character. Like, that's what it feels like to be stuck in this room for someone to take care of me because I don't know what to do with my life. Do I have a life? Write it down. You got questions? You got a notepad <laughs> that are that you got them? You got them? Five, yes. You in the front? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, Mark, uh, DC Cinematic Minute. <clears throat> first time. <laughs> Long time watcher. First time asking question asker. Yeah. That's um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that works the same way, like you said, with Doom Patrol Radio. When we talk about the surrealism arts that influenced um, not only Grant Morrison, but Rachel Pollock as well, and then influenced Gerard Way with the newest comics that were written and so forth with all that. You know, those Maya Darren works and, and so forth, that that became influential. And you see that reference in Doom Patrol. When you read those books, you see that they've included um, those works that inspired them and, and why they wrote it. So it's a great, uh, great, think, great piece to think about as we move forward. So let's go ahead and wrap up here for today. If you guys enjoyed everything you heard, find us on all social media. Let us know what you thought about today's minute or any minutes you guys are catching up on. We'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number 83 of Zack Snyder's Justice League.